Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and at dcaureview.com. Now, here's today's episode. Welcome, everybody, to episode 121 of the DCAU Review. I am one of your hosts, Cal, and with me, my good brother and good friend, Liam. Liam, welcome to episode 121 of the DCAU Review. Yes, and uh, despite time no longer having any meaning, we are allegedly at the end of August. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, we we decided since it was a five Saturday month, instead of doing just another episode of Batman the Animated Series, it would be uh, fun to take a trip around the multiverse and land on yet another episode of Batman the Brave and the Bold. That's right. As we do from time to time, we are taking a break from DCAU proper and doing an el- what we, we refer to as uh, using the DC term Elseworlds. So uh, still animated, but uh, not in the D- standard DCAU, although I guess that could be argued based on a couple <laughs> of things we have on this week's episode. But uh, we'll get to that as we go through the the actual review of the episode here, Liam. So uh, we did mention this is a Batman, the Brave and the Bold episode, which is Night of the Batman, uh, which originally aired back on April 29th, 2011. And Liam, just a quick recap before we do the official IMDb synopsis. But uh, we've reviewed, I believe, three or four episodes of Batman the Brave and the Bold before. But if, uh, if, if the listeners have not checked this out before, a brief synopsis of the series in and of itself. Yeah, it's pretty simple. Uh, from an art style standpoint, it's very much based in sort of the 50s and 60s Silver Age of DC Comics. Very uh, you know, simplified, square-jawed, smiling heroes. Um, a, a very uh, classic, uh, you know, a classic art style, sort of just sort of updated for modern animation. And uh, from a content standpoint, from a story standpoint, each and every episode of Batman: The Brave and the Bold features Batman, of course, teaming up with yet another of a cavalcade of DC comic superheroes. Some episodes featuring heavy hitters like Superman or Aquaman or Wonder Woman, and some featuring some lesser-known heroes like the Metal Men or the Batman of Zurinar or some of the other wackier things from across the uh, 80-some years of DC Comics lore. So they they take full advantage of that, and so each and every week there would be an episode where Batman teams up with at least one other hero, or in this case quite a few others in today's episode. And uh, yeah, it's based on there was uh, the comic book series, The Brave and the Bold, which didn't always star Batman, but generally was always used as a team up book. So a very uh, a lot of uh, a lot of history rooted in the, the title of the series there as well. Absolutely. And uh, it is, of course, the brainchild of one James Tucker, who uh, Mr. Tucker was pivotal, worked on Justice League Unlimited and Justice League both. Um, Yeah, so he was a storyboard artist and character designer starting on Superman and then was a, uh, I believe, an art director and uh, and, uh, still a storyboard artist on Batman Beyond. So, yeah, he's he's got quite a few uh, DCAU credentials to his name before he struck out on his own uh, this being sort of his first show as a as a wouldn't say a solo act of course but as, as the sort of head producer and showrunner of his own uh, his own show and of course he went on to helm many of the dc animated movies that have come out over the last decade or so so an incredibly talented man and yeah his uh, his pedigree for lack of a better word uh, definitely uh, you know, it's he has uh, deep ties to sort of classic DC animation and, in fact, the DCAU proper that we uh, we review most other weeks. So he's a he's a he's a bona fide animation legend at this point. <laughs> and uh, it's it's very cool to see sort of this see him sort of start out on such a strong foot with this series. 
Yeah, it's it's fun as because I think he he worked on those projects beforehand. The DNA of of the DCAU definitely fits into certain aspects of this, while also being its own series. Uh, so we've talked a little bit about the history of this. Of course, you can check out in the archives at dcaureview.com a complete library of all of our episodes including every elseworld's tale that we've covered thus far we've done a couple of direct-to-video movies that you mentioned there that he was uh, responsible for we've also done a couple other different animated series so definitely check those out and check out our past covered episodes of batman the brave and the bold those are have been quite fun but liam now it's time to talk about today's episode as we mentioned uh, i'm sure you have the official internet movie database the IMDb synopsis because we only accept right here at the DCA <laughs> review the very best most official of the IMDb synopses. That's right. And this is a synopsis for Night of the Batman which was written by Paul Giacapo, directed by Ben Jones with music by the Dynamic Music Partners. And that synopsis reads as such. Batman and Vigilante have a run-in with some villains. Later on, Aquaman, Captain Marvel, Plastic Man, and Green Arrow try to fill in while Batman is injured. Man, I was worried that you were going to stop at the Batman and Vigilante description, <laughs> and I was just going to scream, boo, because that was that was bad. But at least they go into a little bit further detail there. But yeah, uh, so we might as well jump into plot here as we go through. Uh, now, it's it, you mentioned before this is a little bit different and certainly is an homage to that Silver Age of DC heroes. So each, each episode also starts out with this sort of prelude, uh, a mini self-contained story. We've talked about that in the previous episodes we reviewed. This one is even more unique than those sort of self-contained episodes because of the musical accompaniment. So I, I don't think we should start off by talking about music, but it's hard not to mention the music when you talk about the plot of this little self-contained two and a half minute short. Yeah, we'll go into, I think, further detail on the, the music and uh, the vocal performances accompanying the song, um, perhaps in further depth later on in our later categories. But yes, to, uh, cut, to cut a long story short, it is basically this little two-minute vignette that opens the piece of Batman, and this is the classic cowboy vigilante um, walking through the streets of Gotham. Batman's about to have a showdown with some sort of nondescript gangsters. And uh, Vigilante, after after asking if Batman wants his help, Batman says, no, Gotham is my turf. And so Vigilante says, all right. And he picks up a guitar and he sings the ballad of Batman. You sure you don't want any help? Thanks, Vigilante. But Gotham is my turf. I can respect that. Man's got to do what a man's got to do. There was a man from Gotham in the Batmobile he rode Defending the defenseless, it's to him I sing this ode With his hammers of justice, he struck down every foe Safety for our families, it's this to him we owe Gray and blue, gray and blue the man from Gotham wore the gray and blue. He fought the Soft, acoustic, sort of, uh, I wouldn't say country, but sort of this ballad, I think for the lack of a better word, about Batman while we put this, you know, this battle between Batman and these gangsters in the streets of Gotham put to this like soft, really catchy song. And like I said, it's hard not to just talk about the song because it's really good, but we'll save that for music later. But yeah, we, that's a, a really fun and really unique way to open the episode, is just to have this sort of fun, short little two minutes where Vigilante sings a song about Batman while we see Batman do some cool stuff. So right off the bat, we know that we are not in the DCAU, although <laughs> there, are, there are a few musical moments where Batman actually sings, I guess, uh, at least one in the Justice League. So maybe, uh, maybe, maybe 
this isn't too far off from what we're used to. But uh, yeah, a song about Batman in at, at the beginning of the show really sets the tone for the rest of the episode. And and uh, so we get to the actual part of the the actual plot of the episode, Liam. And we we start out with a group of heroes uh, battling what appears to be a a fiendish pirate that uh, we actually have have covered before on a DCAU episode. That's right. We got the space pirate known as Kanjar Ro, who is preparing to uh, detonate some sort of uh, planet-destroying bomb. Uh, they really throw us right into the action on this one. We see Batman, Aquaman, Green Arrow, and uh, Shazam, that's right, Captain Marvel, uh, as well as the Martian Manhunter, as it turns out, uh, forming together. To, uh, to come to stop this. And in, in the melee, Batman sort of bursts onto the scene and is taking out half of the army single-handedly as all the other heroes remark about, you know, how does he do this? And Aquaman simply shouts, because he's Batman! Which, uh, <laughs> Aquaman would have fit in really well with like mid you know mid to late 2000s internet memes. <laughs> yeah. Because um, that's, that's the argument there. I, I there am Batman. He's Batman. That's how he wins. There you go. Um, but sort of in the melee, the bomb, Batman can't disarm the bomb, so instead he, with, using his jetpack, flies it into space and is sort of caught in the explosion. Batman is injured in the blast, and he is uh, unfortunately unable to continue his duties as the protector of Gotham. And uh, at first he's just worried that the, that the rest of the heroes need to keep it a secret, and they all, of course, swear they, they have. Uh, except for then Plastic Man calls in to ask how Batman's doing, <laughs> saying that he heard about it because Aquaman has already made it into his latest <laughs> memoir and done an entire book tour about it, which is one of the funnier jokes in any <laughs> in anything we've reviewed today. I don't have time to heal. <clears throat> if the criminal underworld learned I was out of commission, it would be disastrous to Gotham. Don't worry. News hasn't left our little circle. Indeed. We're as mum as an oyster. I called as soon as I heard. How you feeling, Bats? Who told you? Oh, I read about it in Aquaman's latest memoir. The one where Batman almost died. <laughs> Must protect Gotham. <laughs> <laughs> we have to keep this a secret, but also Aquaman already wrote about it in his memoir because Aquaman in the Brave and the Bold is sort of this giant pompous, uh, you know, bar, you know, oafish, uh, strong man who is constantly uh, talking about how he's going. Every every adventure he goes on is going to be his next memoir, <laughs> and so this so one, good. in fact, is entitled "The One Where Batman Almost Died." <laughs> so 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 good. And that, of course, leads to a segue where, of course, the villains of Gotham City have have deduced, based on this book title, that uh, Gotham is up for grabs. And Batman is uh, reluctantly, sort of against his own will, being held at the jail, uh, the Justice League Watchtower, by Martian Manhunter, who is seeking to to administer uh, medical assistance to him. So the rest of those heroes, the aforementioned heroes from the uh, opening scene, decide that they're going to don bat costumes, and they all came up with this idea independently. Uh, they're all going to don bat costumes and defend Gotham. He's right. Gotham needs a Batman. And even though the original may not be available... Batman that fair city will have. So what we get is uh, a montage sort of of uh, Green Arrow and then Aquaman and then Captain Marvel and then Plastic Man uh, all having interactions with various villains and uh, all coming to the same conclusion at the end that they sort of all ties back to that initial question that you asked is how does Batman do this alone? And uh, so, uh, ironically, of course, they all have to come together at the end. There's a dastardly plot by the Joker who's figured out that uh, the Batman is being impersonated. And he captures all four of our heroes. And 
Batman keeps trying to break out from from the watchtower, which leads to a lot of a lot of hijinks. He keeps trying to escape, and John keeps putting him back in his bed, and you know he finally tricks him into uh, thinking that he's administered this sedative. It turns out that he switched it out, and he uses the tools that have been helping him uh, rehab, and turns it into an exosuit. Uh, and then comes back down to Earth to take on the Joker, who has turned his hideout into a giant gas-breathing jack-in-the-box. <laughs> <laughs> yes, as we said, very, very influenced by the, the 1950s and 60s era, where villains could just do these things in like an hour <laughs> with no explanation. And it's great. Like, it's it's so funny and weird. Yeah, the inside is like a giant organ and he has all of the the fake Batman uh, tied up in in these like hot coils, <laughs> and uh, yeah, they have to they have to work together to free themselves. And as you mentioned, Batman sort of comes down and puts a stop to it all by throwing a single batarang, uh, which leads to another refrain of "Oh, it's because he's Batman. That's how he does this." And as Batman sort of seems to be letting all of the other Batman off the hook and saying, I can handle the city from here on out, a portal opens and sort of our, our fade to black, our ending is uh, a number of alternate universe Batman show up, including Batman from the new Batman adventures and Terry McGinnis's Batman Beyond. So we get as, men, as well as many other cameos, which we will get to in visuals and animation, I'm sure, but... I had so much fun with this episode, Cal. I thought this was, it's it's really funny, and I like I liked the idea. I think if they had just picked one of these guys and had the whole episode be like Aquaman tries to fill in for Batman, it maybe wouldn't have worked as well. But doing like almost these four little vignettes with each hero sort of trying to fill the role, I think that really made for a fun and really breezy uh, episode to get through. Yeah, and there was, I mean, there was jokes about their appearance, gags that, that happened with each of them, um, you know, th- that we can certainly discuss in, we'll, well, we, we'll have a lot to discuss in visuals, so I'll just mention it here, but the gags, you know, that they did, uh, Green Arrow first, his cape got in the way of his his uh, his quiver, so he couldn't mm-hmm. reach his arrows until the, uh, until the, uh, the cavalier slices his his cape off, uh, and he's able to reach his arrows. We had uh, Aquaman who uses his cape to cover his beard at the beginning, uh, <laughs> sort of sort of disguised that he wasn't Batman. Uh, Captain Marvel mentions uh, that he's gonna reach into his utility sash because he's not wearing a utility belt. He's still wearing because each right. of the costumes each of the costumes incorporate the original part of the original costume of the the person wearing it in order to distinguish it. And then uh, of course Plastic Man he does the uh, the classic cartoon Auga with the eyes bulging out of his head when he sees Catwoman at the zoo. Uh, so you know, but they mention later on that he's not wearing any pants and the, the Batman. <laughs> And wears pants, uh, so it, just just really good that they incorporated a bunch of different things. And I, I think I agree with you completely that the the four separate sort of vignettes with the different interactions with villains worked out very very well here. You get some classic DC rogues. Uh, you get Deadshot, some that we're familiar with. Deadshot shows up, um, and then you get get some other ones like I mentioned, the uh, Cavalier and uh, Sportsmaster and Shaggy Man was mentioned at one point also. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, so, you know, so it's fun. And of course, this is Batman, the brave and the bold. So, of course, you knew Batman was going to end up being the hero at the end. And it's a little bit ridiculous. The show itself, though, we talked about it doesn't it doesn't take itself seriously. That's it's fun. Like you're if you want to watch one of these, it's not because you're going to enjoy the storytelling for being real world sort of like or Emmy award winning in the way that the the Mr. Freeze Heart of Ice tale was told or some of the ones who even that we've covered in the last month uh, that we've enjoyed Night of the Ninja Day of the Samurai it's a different tone so when you go into it and you have the, the sort of lighthearted sort of it's Batman is the only one who takes things seriously but mm-hmm. but he doesn't he's not in on the joke almost 
um, but everybody else is. It's it works really well for the tone of the show. So I gonna, yeah, I was gonna say there's a great part uh, well, where he's trying to sort of explain to the other heroes like what Batman is. No way, pal. Those bones don't set properly. You'll be fighting crime with a bat cane. I'm sure Nightwing and Batgirl can... You don't understand what Batman means to the city. A symbol of hope to the people. An omen of terror to criminals. Gotham needs a Batman. But for now, we must worry about what Batman needs. And that's his rest. He, you know, he says it's a symbol of hope to innocent people and a, and a terrifying threat to those that would break the law. And he's... Sort of, and, and again, it's played so seriously in that moment because, again, I think it doesn't work if Batman is also silly and winking at the audience. Right. So to have him sort of be the eternal straight man to everyone else, all these wacky, over-the-top characters around him, I think it just works. It works so well. And uh, actually, I, I, like I said, I really loved this episode, um, and I, I actually gave plot a 9 out of 10. Nice. Yeah, I ended up giving it a 8 out of 10. Pretty close there. Uh, I enjoyed it for, for the most part. Um, I was hoping that we were going to get a bit where where maybe uh, Martian Manhunter uh, changed into Batman at one point. Uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, that's, that's okay. We had enough Batman there. The uh, we'll, We have a lot to talk about in visuals, so... Uh, we might as well segue to that. Uh, lots of lots of great fun things to be had here with visuals, Liam. Not only because of all the cameos, but there's a lot of villains that take place in this. We mentioned uh, you know there's probably ten ten or eleven different villains that make an appearance. Um, you know you get some of your classic ones like we mentioned the penguin, but you also get blockbuster. Uh, you get the the you get the Joker. You get Funhouse, and you get man, this is a popular week for this character. You get Gaggy, Joker's Joker's yes. sidekick. Gaggy made an appearance I, in that, and that's significant because of his his world premiere. Uh, well, not his world premiere, but his reintroduction into the DC universe in Three Jokers that came out this week. That's right. It, uh, timing couldn't have been better for this. Uh, I, I, when I saw among the Jokers sort of gesture like a henchman that one of them appeared to be a little person, I was like, wait. And sure enough, it's gaggy. Uh, it was such a it's such a funny thing because yes, if uh, if you have read or if uh, hopefully you should, it's a good book and the guard is fantastic. Uh, if you if you read Batman Three Jokers, uh, gaggy has a pretty memorable and important scene to play in that in that episode as, as sort of this like deep cut reference to an older era of the Joker's crimes and. And yeah, it was. It's so funny that we just happened to be uh, to be reviewing this episode this week where he appears in animation. Um, yeah, there's a, yeah, as you mentioned, there's a lot of villains on display here. We have Babyface, Bane, Catwoman that we already mentioned, Kanjar Rowe, Solomon Grundy. Uh, yeah, a lot of uh, we get a lot of fun little short cameos. Um, they, they do a really good job with that. Um, one of the things that I liked about that too, is that, so obviously so many of the character designs and the character, and we talked about how this is silver age, uh, a a love letter to the silver age, I think is mm -hmm. how James Tucker put it, but he uses so many of these characters that were introduced far, far after that, that silver age started. So you have, you know, you have guys like a killer croc who maybe not wasn't that far after the silver age, but, uh, he gets he gets more of a he kind of gets this retroactive more reptilian look, but then you also have uh, somebody like Deadshot or somebody like uh, like Bane, Bane who didn't show up in mm -hmm. the DC universe until the 90s gets a Silver Age esque sort of uh, you know retrofit here. So it's really cool that he mixes in modern day or was able to mix in modern day villains and modern day characters with this Silver Age style. Absolutely, yeah. There's, there's a. I think that's a really good point, and really, a really unique takes on somebody like Grundy, who has appeared in plenty of other uh, cartoons and and comic books and everything, giving him like a really unique look with the, with the mobster outfit, and also by having his lips sewn shut. Uh, <laughs> I, I like this. I like this version of Grundy a lot, and uh, yeah, it's fun to see. It's fun to see just. Again, this has a lot of like short moments for a lot of these characters, like you mentioned the penguin and 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 things like that. They do a lot of that, and then 
in addition to the end of the episode where we get all of these alternate versions of Batman, earlier in the episode, there's actually a moment where when Plastic Man decides that he must take on the mantle of Batman. I won't let Gotham go without a Batman. After all, who better to embody the many faces of the Dark Knight? Now let's see. Brooding. Broodier. Broodiest. Can't fail with the classic look. He's, and uh, he sort of shape changes into various versions, including the new Batman Adventures Batman, as well as what appeared to be like a Neil Adams type Batman, which. Yeah, I, I, w- I would say. Yeah, I like I like that because that's uh, I remember them talking about when they did Legends of the Dark Knight, the new Batman Adventures episode that they they had wished they had been able to adapt some sort of Neil Adams style, but they weren't really sure how that would go. So just seeing an animated version of sort of that 1970s Batman, I thought was really cool. And then uh, into Frank Miller, he also changes into Frank Miller's Batman before arriving (laughs) in his pantsless form, Um, (laughs) which I think is, I think was really clever. Yeah. I really like, honestly, I love the designs. Uh, You you already mentioned it of all of the alternate Batman suits. Uh, I think that was uh, that was cool, as you mentioned. Sort of, you know, Green Arrows has short sleeves on his bat suit, and 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 uh, Captain Marvel has the sash, and Aquaman has like little fish scales still on his shoulders, as well as a beard, <laughs> and uses like seaweed as a rope at one point. Oh yeah, um, I did catch that. That was good. Yeah, so he's uh, they do some really clever things with that, and yeah overall like i said it's it's such a feast for the eyes just based on all of these cool designs and these kind of fun little vignettes that we talked about and then ending it with it and i have the list here cal of all of the alternate batman that showed up oh baby let's strap in for it let's hear it so of course we have our proper batman from the brave and the bold then we had batman from the batman we had adam west we had adam west's batman we had, surprisingly maybe, George Clooney's Batman from Batman and Robin. <laughs> we had Frank Miller's Batman from Batman the Dark Knight Returns. We had Captain Leatherwing the Pirate Batman. <laughs> we had the Bat Vampire from Red Rain. Uh-huh. We had one called the Solar Batman, who I'm not quite sure which one that was. Okay. Uh, we had Batman of 800,000 A.D., Okay. We, had the, we have the Batman of Zurinar, is of course the multicolored rainbow Batman. We had yep. Batman from the Bat Manga. We okay. had a uh, Nighthawk, who I believe is the sort of Native American-looking Batman. We have Batman from the new Scooby-Doo movies. <laughs> we have we have Bat Hulk. We have Batman from the Super Friends. And, of course, we have Batman from the DCAU, two of them, actually, that being the new Batman Adventures Batman, as well as Batman Beyond. So quite a roster there. It's a, it's a really cool final shot with sort of a, the, you know, the, the Brave and the Bold Batman in the center of it in his sort of robotic uh, exoskeleton that he's wearing with not only the, the fake Batman that we saw in this episode, but also sort of all of these quote-unquote real Batman from across the multiverse. So... That's a really fun sort of a fade to black ending that we have for the episode. And this this episode is just visually so much fun. Yeah, there's so much to it. Like we already talked about, I think the costumes are a highlight. I think uh, the various villains, I mean, there's probably 10, 15 vill- different villains that show up. Um, and then, of course, the smorgasbord where you literally have to pause it because it's so quick to pick up on all of these. Thank, thank God for the Internet so you can go yes. back and get a screenshot or you know and take a look at some of these uh some of these more obscure looking characters but clearly i mean this is this is a a just a scene that was i imagine was just so fun for these guys like how many different batmen can we cram into this how many can we do and and you know have people pause it and look back later and try and find out who's who and (laughs) um you know just just the creators of this this show having a lot of fun with it it's it's visually just a fun episode i mean the whole series we've talked about it before it's the fingerprints of that of the batman the animated series are on this show whether it's the backgrounds or just the design of gotham city or the various aspects of of the design it feels familiar square jawed bit barrel chested big you know 
streamlined sort of uh, mm-hmm. animation. Uh, all that feels very familiar, yet it strikes out on its own. It's definitely got its own unique look. The characters have their own facial expressions, and it feels, you know, feels like its own thing at the same time. So um, it's... This episode in particular, though, is just, it's a lot of fun to, to watch. I, I smiled the whole time, I think, watching it. Uh, just just a blast to to behold. And because of the different visuals and the different visual gags and all of the fun that was had, uh, I definitely gave this one a perfect 10 out of 10 for visuals. And I am right there with you with my own 10 out of 10. I think it's, it's so much fun for all the reasons we mentioned and even, again, we'll get to it in more depth in music, but in the, the little two-minute opening vignette, there's a lot of really cool shots and animation just in our little opening with, with Vigilante and Batman. Vigilante singing the song while Batman fights. It's a great shot of sort of the moon, and Batman sort of jumps into the sky and then and flares out his cape uh, in front of it and, and sort of descends onto the bad guys. It's they do some really, really cool stuff with really all throughout this episode. There's some uh, some fun uh, Easter eggs where uh, you know, Green Arrow talks about serving Deadshot his hammers of justice, and he kind of pulls himself into a pose, which is uh, really reminiscent. There was a, I think it was a poster, and maybe one of the first promotional materials released for Batman: The Brave and the Bold was Batman holding up his fists with the words "Hammers of Justice" on it. So <laughs> that's uh, they do some really cool visual uh, visual gags like that as well as as they all sort of pretend to be Batman in their various ways. So yeah, definitely just so much fun all the way around. There was one other thing I forgot to mention. I had written down here in my notes was uh, in that opening battle scene after uh, after Batman flies the bomb into space and uh, he's sort of uh, blasted back down to Earth. Uh, there's a, the the other heroes go to pick him up and Captain Marvel picks him up off the ground and starts carrying him and it's a direct homage to the cover of uh, uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths of Superman oh. carrying Supergirl yes. uh, with the other heroes looking on and and Captain Marvel taking the place of Superman and Batman taking the place of Supergirl sort of resting in his arms it's a it's clearly a direct homage another one of those yeah. blink you miss it type things but a, a fun wink and a nod to if you know what this is you know what it is and not only is that great but there's also when aqua when they show the cover of aquaman's uh memoir the one where batman almost died <laughs> he he has changed it so that aquaman is the one holding batman and captain marvel is standing in the background and i i laugh for like a good like a solid 30 seconds straight just at that little gag but not only did he write a novel letting everyone know that Batman is hurt, but he also felt it important to make sure that he was the one somberly holding Batman in his arms as the rest of the heroes looked on. Yeah. Uh, one last thing that I'll mention about the visuals. That is that is really incredible. That, that I can't wait to watch. Uh, well, hopefully we'll have an Aquaman month in the not-too-distant future, and we'll be able to discuss some more Brave and the Bold, Elseworlds, Aquaman tales, because I know there's a couple other ones that are, that are pretty good. Um, Absolutely. But uh, one other thing that I did want to mention was the the thing I don't know if it's done and you would know because you've seen more of this than I have. But I seem to it seems to be a running theme. But anytime that there's an impact during a fight, they sort of instead of doing a, a cliched Biff Pam pow like straight ripping off of the 60s they sort of do this comic panel thing where they'll Mm -hmm. highlight and freeze the impact of the fist on like the the villain's jaw or something and it looks like an impact panel that you would see in inside a comic book if you were watching it yeah this that yeah those type of shots are kind of all throughout the series and it's it's really cool i think they do some of that in the teen titan show as well so yes it's like the super stylized thing that yeah, part part comic panel and sort of almost part something you would see in like an anime fight scene. So yeah, it's sort of melding that animated world and and the comic book world that these are based on uh, in really really spectacular fashion. A visual smorgasbord is what I will what I will call this slam. It's, uh, <laughs> it's quite a feast for the eyes. So uh, great great job on the animation and visuals uh, reflected in both of our scores. All right. Let's move on, Liam. We've talked about it pretty much from the get-go here. We now get to talk about the music, which uh, if if not, I mean, th- that opening song, 
the the Ballad of Batman, which you mentioned, it's sort of it's sort of like imagine if Johnny Cash had written a song about Batman, essentially. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's the style. So I it's and let me tell you, let me f- warn you before we play it. It's an earworm. It's gonna get stuck in your head, and we'll, we'll, if it's anything like my my head, it's gonna be in your head for weeks. It's been in my head since Liam posted the clip on our Instagram earlier this week. It's been on my head in my head the every man day. From Gotham wore the gray and blue. He fought the vilest yeah. villains, too numerous to list. Rendering his verdict with bat-wing-covered fists Descending from the night sky, his scalped cape would flow Those who broke the law deserved the punches he would throw Gray and blue, gray and blue The man from Gotham wore the gray and blue but beneath the mask was just a man, same as you and me. His true face he could never share, a secret identity. But why endure this lone crusade? Fight a fight you just can't win. If asked, a bat would tell you, someone's got to stand up to all this sin. Gray and blue. Welcome, everybody. <laughs> it's so good. It's so, so good. It's incredible. Yeah, the lyrics of that song were written by James Tucker and Michael Jelinek, one of the other producers. And uh, the music was once again done by uh, Christopher Carter, uh, Michael McQuistian, and Lolita Ritmanis, aka the Dynamic Music Partners. Um, just, just incredible. Like I said, the music itself is very simple, it's mostly just acoustic guitar. And of course, we have, uh, we'll get to him a little bit more in voice acting, but we have uh, Jean DiMaggio uh, pulling double duty here. Not only does he voice Aquaman, but he also voices the vigilante, and he, in fact, sings this song, and he sings it quite beautifully. <laughs> like, it's yeah, a it's great, really it's a great, catchy song, as you mentioned. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, other than that, I don't have a ton of musical notes, except with the exception of one. That being uh, when Green Arrow steps onto the stage as his fake Batman persona for the first time, not only does he step in front of the moon, recreating the Batman 89 pose, not only does he repeat Kevin Conroy's iconic, I am vengeance, I am the knight, but he is in fact accompanied by Shirley Walker's Batman. I am vengeance. I am the knight. I am Batman. Until further notice, that is. Yeah, it's it. I had I had noted that too. I was like, that's really awesome. That's that stuck out. They they snuck in. It's just a brief little clip. But you, if you if you're listening for it, you got it. I mean, it it they pointed to it with a giant neon sign with the the lead in from the Kevin Conroy line. But it it's still pretty awesome that they they snuck that in there yeah absolutely and yeah other than that i didn't i like i said i didn't have a lot of other musical uh notes no pun intended actually just kidding pun intended and uh <laughs> but uh yeah i mean the music is fine throughout it's you know a lot of we've talked about it with some of these other cartoons cartoons it's a, you know it's generic fight music and drama drama building music and there's kind of some quirkier you know moments to play off the comedy uh and certainly in the scene with plastic man and catwoman for instance so they kind of uh they kind of the music kind of blends into the background for the most part there isn't like a specific you know batman theme the way there is for 
the DCAU Shirley Walker Batman theme, certainly, but it's I, I still quite enjoyed the music through that, throughout this episode. Yeah, it's really strong. I think I think that the the you, you know nothing's going to compare to that opening two minute plus ballad or whatever it is. It's it stands out and it makes the entire music for the show. Um, we've talked about it before. the The theme song itself uh, is sort of a similar homage to the uh, the '66 Batman theme um, with mm-hmm. horns and. Uh, it's sort of repeating theme there, but it, it's sort of its own its own music also. Like you said, other than the cue uh, involving the 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 line from Green Arrow, I didn't really have have many notes either. Other than uh, when the Joker is flying his uh, his hideout slash giant Jack in the Box through the city when Batman appears, there's there's some scene setting music that comes in there. So. Um, I'm giving the score mostly and base, based on that opening ballad and how amazing <laughs> it is. Uh, I'm going to give music a 9 out of 10. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm right in that same ballpark. I went 8 out of 10, again, for mostly the same reason. Not not that the rest of the music isn't good. Like we said, it, it works fine. It just sort of blends into the background, sort of uh, accompanies the, the comedic lines and, and over-the-top action very well. But the, the standout moment, certainly in this episode, has to be that that little two-minute song of uh, The Ballad of Batman, a.k.a. Gray and Blue. Yeah, for sure. All right, Liam. Uh, So that will take us to our final category of the day, which is going to be voice acting. Uh, Now we have, like we mentioned in the archives at DCAUreview.com, have covered several of these episodes before and encourage you to check those episodes out. Uh, But we do get a reintroduction to Dietrich Bader as uh, as the Dark Knight, but we also have some other familiar voices. Uh, I cheated and looked uh, at some of the (laughs) other voices that we we have on this week's episode. Uh, Liam, who are our participants? Yeah, we got quite a big cast here. Uh, We have James Arnold Taylor as the Green Arrow, a famous voice actor, as well as uh, uh, being a regular in, in various... DC cartoons and video games. Uh, I think I like him as Green Arrow, especially like we we already talked about it. The the moment where he invokes Kevin Conroy is is good, accompanying that with him immediately sort of being made to look a fool as he tries to throw a batarang at De- at Deadshot and it sort of weakly falls at Deadshot's feet as as Deadshot asks if that was actually meant to hit him or not. <laughs> um, I, I like this voice. They're sort of you know, they sort of play up a lot in this series uh, of Green Arrow sort of feeling a little inferior to Batman and sort of being known as Batman with a bow. So it's fun to see that play with there. As we already mentioned in our music, we have John DiMaggio uh, voicing both the vigilante and singing as the vigilante. And, of course, doing the incredible job as uh, as Aquaman. John DiMaggio, of course, also the voice of Joker in the Under the Red Hood movie, which people adore and uh yeah I, I he is so great as aquaman for all the reasons we've already talked about in uh, in probably in, in plot and visuals but he's just so darn funny in that role and he sort of they just tapped into something really perfect between him and uh obviously andrea romano is still the voice act uh voice caster at this point so she they really tapped into something of making him this sort of everything he says is is a high volume and everything is sort of the Shakespearean over the top melodra- melodramatic thing and he's he's always like we said always looking to write his next memoir and he's really great as Aquaman in this episode. Yeah, he plays the buffoonish like I don't know, empty-headed macho superhero uh to the T and he does a really really great job and he makes that character uh, a character that up until Jason Momoa's portrayal of him was generally the butt of a lot of jokes. Remember, this is 2011 when he's still considered just the the guy that talks to fish, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's even there's even a joke that uh, they make in the middle of it where that he plays up when uh, Penguin is in the water and he's he's super excited that that the penguin is trying to get away on a submarine and. and <laughs> Penguin just the penguin submarine turns into a tank and start, and takes to the land. Uh, really, really funny. Yeah, absolutely. We also have Nicholas Guest, another veteran voice actor, voicing the Martian Manhunter, 
And they, again, they sort of took an interesting tact because obviously it's, it's nothing like Carl Lumbly's uh, Martian Manhunter in Justice League or Justice League Unlimited. It's, he's this kind of, he's, he's like a little arrogant or pompous in a different way than Aquaman, but he's also very boring. So he's just kind of like, he's like the co he's Martian Manhunter sort of portrayed as like the coworker you don't want to get stuck talking to at, at the water cooler if water coolers were still a thing. (laughs) Yeah, he's he's sort of just blissfully unaware of how boring he is from what it seems like. Uh, Batman is able to successfully get away and trick him uh, into into believing that he's still in the watchtower by uh, asking him to... uh, tell and uh, re- regale him with with past tales of of his superheroic deeds so it's uh yeah he again it's another hero who is not self-aware but is played up for for similar laughs to that of batman yeah i, I love when he's he's sort of trying to commiserate with batman who of course has like most of the bones in his body broken by sharing a story about how shaggy man once bit off his arm and it took him a whole 10 seconds to grow it back. <laughs> yeah, it's really, really good. Yes, yeah, so some of the other voice actors we have, uh, voicing Peng- both Penguin and Killer Croc, we have Steven Root, uh, who you may not know the name, but you, if you have seen the movie Office Space, uh, you would know who he is. Um, a brief role there, but I thought worth, worth giving him a shout based on uh, his uh, other acting roles. Uh, we have Jeff Glenn Bennett voicing both Captain Marvel slash Shazam and the Joker. Um, I think he gets a, he's another one who kind of gets to show off his range because he plays the very 1940s superhero voiced uh, Captain Marvel, but also gets to play the the very over the top, uh, you know, relentlessly goofy and sinister version of the Joker in this show. So I, I thought Jeff Bennett did a did a pretty darn job, a pretty darn good job of kind of showing off his range in this episode. Yeah, he does he does a fun job. Uh, I think his screaming at the end where he's uh, where he's the Joker and he's playing the organ and he's sort of revealing his plot. It reminded me almost of Plankton on SpongeBob. <laughs> Let me run you through the features. This baby comes fully loaded. Joker gas, lasers, air-to-air missiles, floor mats, even a moon roof! That's right. Once I gas Gotham for good, I'm going mobile! taking this show on the road to deliver my signature insanity to every major city on earth he's just kind of like screaming into the sky like a like a saturday morning supervillain car you know supervillain so uh really 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 funny and a, a definitely a, a different take on on the joker than certainly we're used to uh in in any of the uh, other animation that we've covered thus far but it's it's fun it's a, it's a fun take, and his Captain Marvel is is absolutely spot on. Yes, absolutely. Uh, no one no one can deliver a, a holy moly quite as good as he can. And uh, we have uh, just a couple other quick ones to hit on before probably the last big guy here. We have a uh, Greg Ellis who voices the Cavalier. Uh, again, very funny scene where Green Arrow is using a bow, and and the Cavalier is so excited because Batman is finally u- using a weapon that's like more his speed. <laughs> um, I thought that was quite enjoyable. And then we have uh, Nika Fuderman as Catwoman, uh, who has a, a pretty funny scene with uh, the voice of Plastic Man, who we will get to here finally, who also voices Deadshot. In fact, it is SpongeBob SquarePants himself, Tom Kenny, uh, who is like, especially for this show, is about as perfect a voice casting for Plastic Man as I could think of. You see, I didn't even I didn't even look and see that, uh, but that I mentioned plankton just a moment ago. But uh, that's, that's that's absolutely hilarious. That was some clever foreshadowing, but no, we just I, walked into that one. He, yep, I stepped into that one. Uh, yeah, he he does a great job. I mean, he's he in 
he in and of himself is a legend, obviously, for many, many, many reasons and for his own legendary performances as SpongeBob. Whether you like SpongeBob SquarePants as a cartoon or not, uh, his his portrayal of that character is going to go down in history as, you know, as legendary as Kevin Conroy's Batman or or, you know, Mel Blanc as as Bugs Bunny or, you know, any any of the classic cartoon character voices, uh, that guy is forever going to be known as that character. And, you know, so uh, for him, to, for them to get in, this is the case. We talk about this a lot, obviously, with our DCAU shows. But the fact that they're able to pull in some of these legendary actors, uh, in, in some cases, some some legendary voice actors, and you're going to put them in 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 sort of uh, obviously Plastic Man's not the star of this. He's one of the he's one of the ancillary characters that shows up but uh he doesn't have a necessarily a giant starring role in this one either so the fact that you were able to get somebody of his caliber and you bring him in and he absolutely just crushes the the role that he's given it's just just great absolutely uh it's he's so much fun especially as we mentioned the scene with him and catwoman is is quite funny and the end when all of the the batman are sort of arguing and 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 james arnold taylor's green Green Arrow, as we mentioned, hits him with a line, well, I'm pretty sure Batman's supposed to wear pants. Uh, <laughs> is, uh, it's it's the, the back and forth between all of these various heroes, and then Batman's sort of subsequent exhaustion with having to deal with them is uh, is always quite good. So, yeah, I, I love the voice acting top to bottom uh, in this episode, Cal, and I actually gave it another perfect 10 out of 10. Wow. Uh, yeah, I, I gave it a pretty strong score. I went 8 out of 10. Um, I think the only thing that stood out to me that I would have changed is, and I think it's just because I'm so used to it, is uh, Martian Manhunter. I really missed uh, Carl Lumbly in that role. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I when I see that character speak, it to me, seeing it, anybody else uh, do that voice, it's just, it sounds so foreign to me, and it didn't quite <laughs> fit with the character. Uh, so I, that was the only thing. And it's not a detriment, like we said. It, it's not. It's not to say that the the portrayal of of Jean Jean Martian Manhunter was a bad one. It's just something that you miss uh, in these, these. It's like that character should never be played by anybody else except <laughs> that voice character. It's, it's like Arlene Sorkin with with Harley Quinn. It's like yes. that character should be should sound like this, and this is what it should sound like forever in all medium. So. Uh, but still a very strong score from both of us there. Absolutely. All right, Liam. Well, that will bring us to our final scores for the day. Uh, totaling everything up uh, from my scores, I have a final score, a very strong 35 out of 40. And totaling up my final score, I have a very, very strong, in fact, just inching into our top pick section, a 37 out of 40. Absolutely. Uh, there we go. I mean, that, I, do we need to talk about rewatchability? It's hard. <laughs> it's hard with these other ones, with these outside, these Elseworlds tales, whether or not to talk about rewatchability, because we are a, a DCAU podcast. But I had, I had so much fun with this one that I would say, yeah, this is one that if it's if it's on again, or if I'm just want to go watch a Batman: The Brave and the Bold episode that I've seen before, sure, I'll throw this one on. Yeah, definitely. I think this is definitely one that you uh, you rewatch. Like we said, we don't we don't watch them in any sort of order or theme like we do with some of our other shows. But this is uh, this is definitely one that I I will go back to. Uh, it's uh, it's just such a such a ball of fun, uh, top to bottom, and and for all the reasons we've already talked about. Yeah, it's it's a blast. Uh, it's the I, I've been very impressed, and it was funny. I was reading I was reading an article yesterday, an interview with James Tucker uh, regarding this series, and he talked about how he felt like this was a series that was sort of brushed off from the get go because of uh, speculation that it was because because Batman had been sort of down that dark path for so long that mm-hmm. th- nobody wanted to sort of give this a chance. And but that afterwards, even after it went off the air, is sort of when it started to gain appreciation uh, and and a larger fan base uh, for the for it because it it's okay, like and it's okay to have your favorite Batman and it's okay for your favorite Batman to be Kevin Conroy's serious dark brooding Batman, but I feel like that there's a place for this this series also in in just as there's a a place for Teen Titans and Teen Titans Go. Absolutely. This is this is so much fun. Like we said, 
while it is a lighter show, a sillier show, sort of based on a different era of comics, it never doesn't feel like Batman. And that's and that's a that's a testament to the writing. That's a testament to the the visuals, the artists, the storyboard artists, the animation teams. And it's a you know a testament to Diedrich Bader as as Batman. Like it, it's he still feels like Batman the whole time. So we, yes, this is a lighter take, a, a a bright night as if you will. But it's it's no less valid or uh, or more fun. And, and quite frankly, there are a few episodes, and I, I'd certainly like to get to them down the line of this series that do take a little bit of a darker tone and. Uh, they kind of show off the the range of not only the storytellers but of of the voice actors as well. They're, they I think I think if you if you are determined that this character can only be one thing, then yeah, you'll probably not like this show as much as you would like Batman the Animated Series. But if you understand that a character like Batman, who's been around for over eighty years now, has a very rich history to draw from. And uh, I think you can you can find a place in your heart and, and find a place for, of enjoyment. And even if you're not a big fan of lighter Batman, it's just it's well written. The jokes are funny. The, the portrayals of some of the other DC characters are really fun and light. So, yeah, even if, if you're sort of new to this show, if you're just checking it out, maybe for the first time because you happen to listen to our show. Uh, yeah, maybe maybe throw on a few more episodes and. And let it let it try to win you over because it's uh, like you said, Cal. Even though it's it's a completely different animal than most of our usual Batman fare, it's uh, it's no less valid. And it's and it's not done to poke fun at the people watching it either. Yes. Like it's it's done to remember a time that Batman was just a different character, which he has been. He's been this dynamic character, this sort of changed and morphed with the different times and yes the darker batman the the grittier batman is probably the majority of our favorites but there's there is a portion of batman fandom that looks back at that 60s batman as their batman so uh for james tucker to sort of give an homage to that and there's there's a place for that that's that's all i'm jumping down off of my sofa <laughs> now. uh it's there's a place for that and, and this series has uh, for somebody who had not given it a chance before, I've been absolutely uh, been pleased to have been proved wrong that this is this is a great thing that stands on its own. Yeah, and I I think it's also something I you know I know I've tw- you know, people have tweeted me that you know have talked about listening to our show with their kids, and this is a great show to watch with your kids. This is this is another one similar as you mentioned, Cal, to like a Teen Titans or Teen Titans Go, which is has a lot of humor, a lot of slaps, has you know a fair amount of slapstick comedy, but it's still that good old superhero action at the end of the day. So it's I think it's a great show, especially if you have a, if you have a family or if you, you're looking for something to watch together. I think this is a great example of that. Great ad there, love that. All right, Liam, well, that will bring us to the end of this week's episode. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in and checking us out on this week's Elseworlds review. Uh, Liam, we are very excited. Uh, If if you have not been listening, we are very excited uh, to talk about our bonus episode that dropped earlier this week. We have our DC Direct Retrospective. It's part one of that one, so if you have not gotten a chance to check that out, go ahead and check that out. That gives us uh, a chance to talk about some of our favorite action figure lines from DC Direct over its uh, 22-year history. Uh, We've talked about a couple times over the last couple of weeks. There's been an announcement Mm -hmm. that DC Direct is going to cease to exist in the not-too-distant future, so uh, it's just a good time for us to sit down and talk about some of our favorite action figure lines, and we'll have two more parts uh, coming from that as well, so you will not keep an eye out on the podcast feed for those in the next couple months. Uh, You will not want to miss those. But Liam, next week, as you mentioned, this is the final Saturday of August of 2020, so that means... As we turn the calendar page, we also will be changing series of some sort, or shall we say changing topics altogether. That's right. We're uh, we're trying something a little different. We've never really done this before, but rather than picking one of the main DCAU shows to review, we've actually decided to focus on a single character or a group of characters, that being the Green Lanterns. That's right. It's going to be September will be Green Lantern Month, 
We will be kicking it off next week with the Superman the Animated Series in Brightest Day, which features, of course, the DCAU debut of Kyle Rayner. But we'll also be focusing on episodes of Justice League that, of course, feature most, I think, most DCAU fans' favorite Green Lantern, John Stewart. He'll be well represented, don't you worry. And we may also take a look at an alternative non-DCAU Green Lantern adventure. So stay tuned for all of that coming in September. Elseworlds, you say? Mmm, color me intrigue. Color me green, I guess. Intrigue. <laughs> is green the color of in- intrigue? Green with intrigue? I don't know. Yeah, wrong. <laughs> yeah it, it is now. It's canon until we say it, until proven otherwise. Exactly. All right, Liam. Well, we are definitely looking forward to that. Don't forget to check us out on social media at DCAU Review. We are on Instagram and Twitter. Make sure you follow us on both of those. Don't forget also you can check out our brand new DCAU Review shop. We've got some cool ways to support the podcast. If you like us, uh, we don't do ads on these podcasts. Uh, so if you have a love for this podcast and want to send us a little thank you we have a couple options you can do that also uh so we have our shop also you can go get yourself a t-shirt and uh, that will let us know how much you support the podcast also don't forget to subscribe to us on our on your favorite podcast app apple podcast google podcast spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts and if you can leave us a five-star review on apple Podcasts. it helps us out immensely immensely we've had a few of those over the last couple months i get placed it on there so thank you for those that have been adding your reviews but uh yeah until next time i'm cal and i'm liam we'll talk to you on the next episode of the dcau adios